Welcome to Dear Runner Bod, the pod dedicated to helping you embrace your runner's body. I'm Serena Moriardi, a registered dietitian and body image coach who wants you to stop dieting and start fueling the athlete within. While I am a medical professional, the information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure. Now, let's start rewriting your body's story. So it is time for review of the week. If you don't know what review of the week is, it's basically your chance to be entered into a lifetime lottery to win a free masterclass from me. All you got to do is if you hear the review that you leave on Apple Podcasts read on this pod, you send me a DM, you send me an email, you're like, hey, that was my review. And I'm going to give you the choice to pick a free masterclass from me. So over $100 worth of value, depending on which masterclass you choose. So the review of the week this week is by one Harley Quinn. And this person said, I love this. It's so reassuring listening to these interviews that really helped me heal and work on my body image issues. Serena and her guests are so insightful and genuine. I can't wait for more episodes. Also check out food peace, please podcast too. I listened to all those episodes twice. Thank you so much. One Harley Quinn. I love that you are an OG fan. You also listen to food peace, please. That's awesome. And make sure you send me a DM to claim your prize. Okay, today's episode is going to be really fun. It's going to really just kind of feel like you're hanging out with me and my friend. Um, We have Michelle Pilipich on the pod today with us, and she is also a registered dietitian. She graduated from UNC Chapel Hill with a master's in public health and her dietitian training. And since she became a dietitian, she has worked in residential eating disorder treatment centers, partial hospitalization programs, and intensive outpatient level treatment programs for eating disorders. Um, She has her own private practice, and all of these experiences have led her into providing valuable insight into her Um, her eating disorder clients and helping them really understand how to heal their relationship with food and to find sustainable health practices. Um, Michelle uses the framework of intuitive eating to help her clients heal in their day-to-day life, and she helps them work through body image concerns and find um, peace in exercise and their relationship with exercise. So if you're like sitting there and you're like, wow, Serena and Michelle have, do a lot of the same things. Um, yeah, we do. And really, we've been bonding over Instagram because we're also both runners. So today um, you're going to tune in. I'm jokingly calling Michelle the queen of running clubs because she is a member of like 68 running clubs in New York City. Um, but I think you're going to really enjoy the conversation. It's really just two dietitians saying dietitian things, talking about running, hanging out, and kind of providing some insight, um, some really interesting uh, insight into our experiences as runners in this running community with our background in disordered eating and eating disorders. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Dear Runner Bod. I have my dear friend Michelle on the pod today with me. Hello, Michelle. Hey, so happy to be here. So Michelle is a fellow dietitian who runs. So obviously we became fast friends, virtual friends. We haven't met (laughs) in real life, but I feel like I really know you. 
I know. It's crazy how fast it feels that way. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, Michelle's on the pod today because we have just been DMing back and forth and we share a lot of the same views. And I feel like sometimes it's just nice to hear um, other people talking about the thing that you're talking about, almost like one of those things where you need to hear something like a bunch of times from a bunch of different people and they have to phrase it a bunch of different ways and eventually it clicks. So Maybe Michelle will be the person who makes this whole spiel click for you today. Um, so Michelle, before we kind of dive into talking about the running community and uh, talking a little bit about uh, what happened at the Boston Marathon just a few days ago, can you tell us a little bit about your running story? Like, how did you start running? Tell us all about that. Of course. Yes. It's so funny that you bring this up because I literally had a dream the other night about like high school track and that's kind of where it started. <laughs> so funny. So I I ran track in well, I always played sports growing up. I kind of cycled through every rec sport as so many kids do. Um, played soccer, softball for like five minutes, and basketball, all of these things that I just didn't love. Um and I was on the track team in middle school, didn't really stick. And then in high school, I started playing field hockey, which was like my main sport. I loved it. That was what I was the best at and just really enjoyed. And I joined track um, in the winter and spring, really just to stay in shape for field hockey. I was like, I just want to be doing something. You know, I've always been active um, and I don't want to spend the rest of the year not being in a sport. <clears throat> But it's funny because my events in track were the 100-meter hurdles, uh, long jump, and triple jump. So I really did the Whoa. least running possible. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what can I do that does not involve running? Um, yeah. So I had this dream recently that I was training for triple jump, again, which was my favorite event. That was like, I did love hurdles, but I think I, I was best at triple jump and I really loved it. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm missing it now. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so those are my events in track. I would like try to get out of practice if we had to run, you know, the four mile loop that felt so long to me at that time and just really like was not a fan of distance. And then in college, I wasn't playing any team sport. I did a couple of club sports. Like I was on the crew team my freshman year, totally just for fun. I joined with a bunch of girls who had never rode before and we had a blast freshman year. And then I was like, okay. I'm kind of bored of this. Um, so I wasn't playing other sports, but again, still wanted to be active. And so I started running more. Running has kind of always just been like the fallback of something I can do so easily. You don't need anyone else. You don't need anything but your shoes. And so I started to run more. Um, and I ran my first half marathon in college. I had some friends who had done a marathon. And again, at that time, I was like, wow, they're crazy. I'm never going to do that. <laughs> and then I ran my first half marathon, which was also hilarious because I, so I went to college in Virginia at William and Mary and I did my training just around campus. There was like a really pretty route out to this vineyard. So I was running on the roads. And then my friend from college who I ran the race with was from Charlottesville, Virginia. And we ran this half marathon in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is gorgeous. And it was a trail race. And oh, guess who had never run on a trail ever before this race? Oh, gosh. Were you so, <laughs> so sore? Oh, my gosh. There were marathon. It was a half and a full. There were marathoners who finished before us because we were struggling so much. <laughs> was I love it. But it was beautiful and so much fun. Um, and, yeah, after that, 
it's kind of just always been a consistent part of my life, part of my routine. And it wasn't until, um, I guess not until I moved to New York. I always like, you know, had the goal of running another half. But once I moved to New York and joined a running club and I just got so much more in the community, I ran my first marathon. I'm planning to do a second one this year. Um, So yeah, it's become a bigger and bigger part of my life. I love how it goes from being like the fallback plan to now, I mean, again, I feel like just from following your Instagram, like running is a huge part of your life. Um, And so it's so interesting. It's funny you said that about winter track because like I was a year round runner and we like the year round runners really got annoyed with the girls who would use winter track as like the stay in shape um, or the the stay fit. Um, method. And so when you just said that, like, I like had this like little (laughs) 16 year old Serena, like pop out and is like, ew, (laughs) (laughs) you don't like those girls. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't thought of that in a really long time. (laughs) That was me. Um, so, you know, today we're going to talk a lot about the running community. We're going to kind of like give our insights as just two women who run and are part of the community. But I love that you talk about your running club a lot. And this is something that (laughs) we haven't (laughs) a lot, lot. Um, but I honestly think this would be a great conversation to have where if somebody's listening and they've never joined a running club, they're kind of feeling nervous about joining a running club. They feel confused about what the heck is a running club. Like Michelle, I feel like you're the perfect person to ask about this. Oh my gosh. I am like the PR girl for running clubs. <laughs> yes. And I love talking about it with people because I was so afraid and so intimidated. And I, you know, I told you when we were talking like two days ago for my podcast that I just always identified as a slow runner. Like I did, I did hurdles, I did jumping. I was like, okay, these are the things I'm good at, but with distance, I'm not fast. And so I felt like, okay, that means that I'm just going to run by myself. Everyone else is like too good for me, too fast for me. And I feel like that's something that holds a lot of people back from joining a running club. And I was afraid of that. I was like, I don't know if there are other people who run a 10 minute pace when we're going to be running more than five miles. And that's where I was at at the time. Um, So it can be super intimidating. And I have realized since joining how many people feel the same way and are in the same boat. And like, it's so great when those people come out anyway. So I moved to New York City in April of 2021. And I joined my run club in July of that year. And now looking back, I'm like, what did I do for the months before it? Like, who were my friends? What was my life? Because it's just such a part of my life now. Um, oh my gosh. Cody does this for you. Do you hear this? It's all you? good. I, I love it. <laughs> I it away from you. Okay. So that summer I joined the running club and I was really you know, I had just moved to the city. I'm from New Jersey. So I'm from very close. And like, yes, I had people here. But still, it was like post COVID, I wanted to meet people, I wanted to get out and do things. So I was just looking for ways to meet people. And ideally, things that were outside still being like pandemic conscious. And I was like, okay, a run club would be great. And I probably thought about it for weeks and weeks before actually going. Because I thought, 
I'm just going to keep running on my own and I'm going to like essentially like train to join a run club. I was like, I'm going to get faster and then join once I feel confident. And what I would say to anyone who feels that way, because I think that's how everyone feels, is don't do that. You're never going to join. You're never going to feel like, yeah, I'm good enough and fast enough. So what I did was at some point I ended up just going and I went by myself. I didn't know a single other person. And once I joined, I made so many friends. And then that social aspect kept me wanting to go back. So then I became so much more consistent with my running and then I got faster and now I'm a faster runner. And like, not that that's even the ultimate end goal, but you just have to do it before you're ready. And then all the other parts of why you're there will help keep you there and help you reach your goals. And even like, you know, we'll be doing a speed workout and all of us are saying like, man, I would not do this by myself. Like, I'm so glad I have everyone else to, to help me through this and to make it fun. So I would say go before you're ready even if you're the only person there. And it's funny because recently I started going to more running clubs. There was one week, I think I went to like four different run clubs in a single week, which is like kind of crazy. Maybe don't oh do my that. God. Wait, um, so you, were you new to some of them because you hadn't? Yeah. So Yes. So I had been going to this one and, you know, a lot of my friends all go to that same one. And then I just sort of realized and to back up a little bit, like I've moved a lot. I think I moved like five times in four years around grad school and have just like been the new person in new cities so many times that I really appreciate that. And I appreciate like the new people who come. And I was starting to feel like, oh, maybe this group is like, I don't want to say clicky, but I just realized like I'm very much in my groove with my friends and like I want to push myself and like be the new person. I want to meet new people. I want to expand into this New York running community. So there are a bunch of, I mean, there are a million running clubs in New York. And I was like, there are these cool ones that I see online that I've never been to. Like, let me just go and partially just like join a new club because that's fun and like see what it's about. But also like practice being the new person because everyone feels that way. So do it. I think it's really cool that like it went from being this whole like week lead up, like weeks and weeks of lead up and like I need to train. And now like on a random week, you're like, I'm going to go to three different, (laughs) four different clubs (laughs) and rip the bandaid off. And I don't know, like do it scared kind of like that. Exactly. And then it's really cool because, you know, I think it's nice to test them out and you get to know the different vibes of different groups and like, okay, if I want to do a speed workout, I'll go to this one. If I want to do a shorter run, I'll go to this one. If I want to be with a certain pace group, I'll go to this one that has pacers. Like there are just so many options. Um, so it's nice to shop around and then you're going to end up wanting to go back to all of them because you just meet such cool people. <laughs> yeah. I And I, you know, I want to kind of um, like rewind for a second and I want to just like kind of acknowledge that um, like in my community, don't say slow. We say party pace. So some people are running more party pace. Um, One of my clients actually came up with that, so I can't take credit. Um, And I have this hat that literally says party pace. It's like this neon tennis ball colored hat that says party pace. It's so great. She probably saw it somewhere else and I'm like, (laughs) I'm like bowing down to her all this credit. But anyway, <laughs> hey, hey, more power to her. Food freedom athlete community. Um, so I just it. I just don't want anyone to get comparison, right? Like if Michelle mentions what her 
easy paces, her slow pace, quote unquote, is that like none of us here on this podcast, there is not a single person in the world who gets to be the ruler of like what is fast, what is slow, right? Um, So just want to kind of acknowledge that. But I also, I love this point of like, you don't need to train to go to running club. And I know, um, so like you're in New York where there's probably, there's so many running club choices and here in Philly, it's similar. And I know I've talked to people that live in more of like the suburbs or rural communities where they don't have all these choices available to them. Um, so I, I think it's worth exploring no matter your pace. If it's something you're curious about, I know different running clubs will have different days of the week, have different dynamics. Like a Monday might be the social day, the Tuesday's the track day, the Wednesday's the the tempo day. Like, so maybe you, if you're feeling like you're more of a new runner, like maybe you want to check on Facebook or like show up to a run and get the details of like, when is the the more social run so that you can just kind of dip your toes in the water. But I, I think like the, the overwhelming message I want to send is like the running community, like run, like uh, running clubs, they want to be bigger. They want to make new friends. They want new members. Um, so don't, don't be intimidated. Like what Michelle just said, like really resonates with me where it feels so intimidating to join a new group. You totally get in your head. You totally compare yourself, but like we're just, we're doing that to ourselves. Like that's not actually what's happening when we show up to that run club. Right. Everybody is so supportive and like, especially if you're a new runner, you know, people are going to be so thrilled that like you're in that stage of finding out about something that they already like love and know is so great. So you will be so welcomed. And I will also say, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of speed workouts, but (laughs) if you go to like a track workout or a speed workout, I do find that sometimes those can feel even more social than the longer runs because you're stopping between all the speed work. So, you know, people in my running club who I will never keep up with on a longer run, I can still chat with them on a speed day because we're all together in between, you know, every, um, why can't I think of a word? Every whatever, like piece of the workout. So sometimes doing that, which seems like the scariest, can actually be a really great way to just get to know everybody. Yeah, I love that advice. And I also feel like it's like the misery loves company, right? Like 100%. No matter how seasoned or not seasoned you are, speed workouts challenge you. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. So like maybe you might feel like, oh, I'm going to be the last one to to finish my lap or whatever. Like ultimately, you're all doing the same workout. Your 80% is the equivalent of how the other person's 80% feels. And you have that bonding experience of like, that just kicked my butt. I can't believe we have to do another three of those, right? Like it's it's like easy mm-hmm. conversation fodder. So I totally agree with that. Exactly. Um, I'm I wouldn't say like I love speed workouts, but I do love that like yeah. cheerleading, like supportive, like yeah. misery love company aspect. Yeah, it's kind of it's something that makes it really feel like a team in something that's not a team sport necessarily. Totally, totally, totally. Okay, so totally flipping like kind of the switch right now. So we're talking about how in our experience, running clubs have been like really welcoming and really excited to have new members and really accepting of runners who run at all paces and all levels. And then 
you know, it's like, so where does this, this, this rumor, this myth come from that you need to train before you show up to running club because you need to be a certain pace in order to be, you know, considered a runner. Mm -hmm. And uh, Michelle and I are recording this just days after the Boston Marathon where Iliad Kipchoge was projected to win. And then, God forbid, the man ran a 209 marathon and came in sixth place. What a freaking slacker. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) Terrible. Embarrassing. But honestly, like, that's kind of the way the media has portrayed it. I feel like I have gotten so many emails from different media outlets being like, why didn't Kipchoge win? What happened? And I'm like, well, no wonder People feel intimidated to show up to running club. This is a message. Well, hold on. Let me ask you. (laughs) How does that make you feel before I give my two cents? Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about – I have conflicting thoughts because on the one hand, I do think that watching professionals can be so different. And I am the biggest fan of the Olympics. I – like my life revolves around the Olympics for two weeks every four years. It's just the best thing. So and so, fun. you know, don't we all fall into that like armchair expert mode and just the hype and like the excitement of really getting pulled into someone's story and then like you want to see them win. Like everybody wants to see Simone Biles win and when she pulls out, it is disappointing even though you know that like ultimately it's great. And so... Part of it is like, yeah, we just want to root for our favorite and like we want to see amazing things be done. Did I want to see a new course record? Yeah, that would be really cool to be like, wow, I watched like that history be made. And it can certainly get blown out of proportion and can sound crazy when we get to the point of like, oh, sucks that he didn't win. Like when, when somebody... I don't even want to say losing, but just like not living up to everyone's expectation becomes a headline. It kind of makes you wonder like, well, what are we focusing on here? Is this really what matters? So I definitely can see both sides. This is so interesting. And I really want to encourage everyone to go listen to Michelle's podcast um, because Michelle and I had a conversation that I think relates to this one we're having today where Michelle and I were talking about how, you know, my, my personal journey with running has been one with a lot of disordered, a lot of, um, you know, using running to validate like my worth because of my background of disordered eating. And Michelle doesn't have that background. And so right now, as I'm hearing you say this, Michelle, Mm -hmm. I'm totally like realizing how some of my, um, like feelings of getting like very triggered and very like kind of like sensitive to this, like seeing this headline Mm -hmm. repeatedly. Part of that's my own stuff. Like part of that's like my own shit, my own like wound of like people care about pace and like, you know, this is why it's like so anxiety inducing to like, you know, go race or whatever. And I think it's really interesting that I didn't even really think of all the first part <laughs> that you said and how valid yeah. that is of like, yeah, you're just rooting for someone and you're disappointed. Yes. It I mean, it is, yeah, it is interesting. And I think, I think part of it is also like just 
observing that level of athlete and being so far removed, you know, and like, also, this is a male athlete. Would I feel different if it were a a woman? Maybe I would. And like, frustrated with the critique of that. And um, this is part of why I think it's so important. And I love talking about running as a dietitian who works with clients with disordered eating. And I think it's so important. And you know, for a long, this is a, l- a little bit of a tangent, but I'm bringing it back. I, for a okay, long I love time, it. I, um, especially because I specialize in eating disorders and I started off working in residential treatment and high level care for that population. So many people get into that work because of personal history, which is amazing. And I didn't have that. I haven't had an eating disorder. I, you know, of course have struggled with body image, but have really had a healthy relationship with food for my whole life. And so, I felt like, okay, I need to be quiet about anything personal because this is like just not what needs to be shown. And I didn't share on any of my professional platforms that I do run because I thought, well, I'm just like this normal girl who runs like that's going to seem that's going to seem triggering. It's going to seem toxic. It's going to seem whatever. Like we're not allowed to talk about running if we're also talking about disordered eating because it's too triggering, kind of everything you're saying. And I think it wasn't until I was training for the marathon that I finally shared it because I thought, no, I want to show people that you can have a normal relationship with this. You can be a runner in a healthy way. It doesn't have to be toxic. It doesn't have to be um, this like really high pressure scenario. So yes, those headlines and those comments about these athletes, like they suck. And I think I just am so in the mode of like, well, that's not me (laughs) that I don't feel it as personally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's just like so many pieces of that conversation we could like comment on, like the feeling of like wanting to make sure that we're not triggering our audience. And this is like mm-hmm. kind of like dietitian talking to dietitian here, but I think it's interesting for you who are list who is listening to like realize like how there's so much um like care and caution like put into like the stuff, the messaging that we're creating. And I mm-hmm. almost wonder too, if like going back to these headlines of like how you and I are, and obviously we work in this disordered population, but like we're so conscientious of not triggering people. And I feel like that's something that like I'm constantly like trying to make sure I don't cross the line, but I'm being real and authentic and sharing like my story to inspire and Mm -hmm. help people. And I think so it can feel really jarring for me to open my email and see all these headlines of like, why did he lose? Like what's, what happened? And I'm like, God, give the man a break. He's a human being. Right, right. I mean, when it's like, what happened? Yeah, this is so related to what we spoke about of like, nobody is at their best 100% of the time. People have bad days. Like, let's just kind of acknowledge that. And it's, it's important to recognize. And, you know, I also think that, like, yes, we are so conscious. And I do really craft my language with intention. And I've done it less and less. And also like before I continue with all of this, I just want to say and like validate that to whoever's listening, it might be so freaking annoying to be like, 
okay, Michelle just likes running, like, whatever. <laughs> that sucks. Like, she's a unicorn that she's never struggled. And it's not that I've never struggled. You know, we also talked a lot about, like, pace comparison. And, of course, that comes up. Um, and, yes, it can be annoying to hear from someone who's like, no, I haven't had disordered eating. So that's fair if you feel that way. Um, and, yeah, so I, I like to be intentional with what I say and I'm less and less careful because I think it's important to also take back what diet culture has taken from us, right? And it's not like, well, we can't touch running just because there are so many people who run solely for the purpose of weight loss. And we can't say the word exercise just because a trainer in a gym has told you that exercise is solely a means to change your body. You know, like, Yes, I know that people have their preference and maybe joyful movement is what most aligns for you. And for me, I like to say exercise. I like to, I prefer physical activity because I like to encompass the wide range of activities that can qualify as exercise. Um, but I don't want to shy away from these things that have been tied to diet culture because I think we need to just broaden our opinions and recognize that there are so many things that yes, can be diety and also don't have to. And they can be really positive. Yeah. It's like a reclamation of like, yes. this is, this doesn't have to be about shrinking your body. It can be about empowering your body um, yes. or empowering your life. I ugh, love that. Yes. <laughs> you had kind of mentioned like briefly there how, you know, we're not supposed to, so Kipchoge didn't win. <laughs> You know, I can't be like, you ran a 209 marathon. I'm just like, oh my God, it's hilarious. Anyway, but he yeah. didn't win. So he, you know, you could argue he, in that day and that moment was not having a peak fitness moment. And Michelle, we kind of talked about this on your podcast, but I, I really want to kind of just like talk about it at least briefly here as well. So you had mentioned how it's not healthy to be in peak fitness 365 days a year. And I think that can come as a shock to somebody who's like, why not? Like, that's when I'm healthiest. That's when I'm strongest. Like, that's when I'm fittest. That's when I'm fastest. Why is that not a healthy way, a healthy, realistic thing to be striving for 365 days a year? Yeah, it is a great question because it's something that I think most people don't ask themselves. Um, there are the physical consequences. Like, yes, it can be really hard on your body. It takes so much more fuel than most people realize. And it's so easy to be under nourishing yourself. And so if you are just go, 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 you're putting yourself at higher risk for injury, for illness, for all of those things. And what I think is not more important, but equally important is to think about the mental side of it. And that's something that personally I find really important because even recently, you know, like even while I am a professional doing this work, I completely burnt myself out. And I joined my running club in the summer. That was the year I was running the New York Marathon, trained for the marathon, was like just on such a high of like, wow, this is all so new and so fun. And all my friends are doing it. Like, let's keep going. And so I ran the New York Marathon November 2021. And then just signed up for more and more and more and more races and did like a half in January and a half in March and a half in May and had a 10 miler in there and had all these other things. And then was going to run the marathon again the following year. 
And I ended up deferring it and pulling out because I just was not, training was not going well. And when I say that, a lot of people would ask like, what happened? Are you injured? And the thing is, I wasn't. I was just like mentally not, like, yeah, my long runs physically were not going well. They were just feeling like so hard. And so I was miserable on a long run every weekend. And after a couple of times, I was like, this isn't it. Like, why am I, I only do this for fun. Why am I doing this to myself? And so I skipped the marathon. I took a long time off. And now the following spring, I'm excited about it again. So I think that is such a huge part of why you just can't have these expectations on yourself of being 100% all the time. Plus, like, you know, you were talking about pace earlier and kind of like what someone's slow pace is or fast pace is. And for me, it's always changing. It's always, always, always changing. And so I think that's another thing that we just have to accept that like, you don't have to be defined by being in one certain pace bracket. Like that's kind of not normal (laughs) or maybe it is, but like that comes from a lot of consistency. And if running is not your full-time job, you're probably not going to have as much consistency as someone who's literally being paid to do this. Yeah. I always tell my clients that like the elites, the professionals, they have like a masseuse, a chef. They have mm-hmm. compression, those like blowy up compression yes. leggy things. <laughs> like they have so many resources, like saunas. Like I don't have that. Like I go running. I, you know, have to be really intentional about making time to like do my strength and mobility and mm-hmm. squeezing that into my busy day. And yeah, I don't have to, I don't go get massages as regularly as I should. Like I don't have those resources. I'm not a pro athlete. Yeah. I mean, I was even talking this morning with friends um, at my running club (laughs) about how I am taking a vacation and I'm going on this yoga retreat and going to just be like doing yoga for a week and then probably will take more time away from running, anticipating that marathon training is coming. I was like, yeah, it's great timing. Like I'm running a bunch now. It's fun. And then I'm going to have a solid break of only yoga. And then I'm going to take it really chill. Like I'm planning to scale back so much so that I can enjoy training for the marathon. And for me, You're running it this fall. Yeah. Oh, so like mentally, that's what I have to do. And yes, some people run multiple marathons a year and they love it nonstop. And that's not me, at least right now. So it's also just the acceptance and preventing or trying your best not to compare that like, just because somebody else can seem to be in their top fitness all the time. I mean, number one, like maybe they're running through injury and you just don't know it, or maybe they're not getting their period and you don't know it or something else is going on. And, um, like, you don't have to enjoy what someone else enjoys. If I ran two marathons a year, I don't think that'd be fun for me at all. And that's okay. I want to, I feel like you answered this question, but I want to, like, put it in terms that are very clear because I know the women I work with and, like, what they would ask. So you had mentioned, so first of all, (laughs) 
I'm like, I don't know what to say first, but like, (laughs) I love your healthy relationship with movement and it had taken me so long to get there. But I, I feel like because I have that similar relationship where when I get burnt out, I stop and I take a break and I lift or I go on walks or I hike. Like, I think that's why I've been running for 22 years, like very consistently. I think it's because I have that relationship with running. So I, Mm -hmm. I want to like be like, dang, like that's amazing. And I want to kind of ask the question that I know there is somebody right now thinking. So you're training for a marathon. It's getting hard. And you're like, you know what? I'm deferring the marathon. Like this just isn't, this doesn't feel good for my body right now. Mm -hmm. Was there any part of you that felt like I'm giving up on myself? Like I am letting my fitness go. And did you have any of that drama? Because yes. that is like, yeah. So how do you yes. get yes. to the place now where you're like, I'm so happy that I listened to my body. Like, how did we reconcile yes. this feeling? I'm glad you're bringing this up because as I'm more removed from it, I don't think as much about that side. But, oh my God, 100%. Like, I was going out to do a long run and having a terrible time and I cut it short and walked home. And that was like kind of the moment that I made the decision that I wasn't going to do it. And I immediately called my mom and cried and told her that I am such a failure for doing this. So like 100% that was there. And then from that place, it was a lot of back and forth of like, what is this going to look like to other people? I've made it this far because it was like October that I decided. You were close. It was close. Yeah. Wow. Like September, October. I don't remember exactly, but I know it It was like I had done a lot of training. And for sure, I felt like I'm a failure. I'm, I'm not a real runner. Like all of these things that I say are BS to anybody else. I was saying those to myself and we all get stuck in that trap. And I, I definitely felt that way. So It took a lot of, you know, talking to my friends, talking to my family, like getting that support, sharing how I felt. And when people asked about it, I was honest. Like, yeah, I'm upset and I also feel relief. So that was what helped me make the decision. I just know that I have a really good gut feeling. And when I thought about and kind of visualized like doing the race, I would feel anxious, nervous, terrified, stressed, just kind of like dread. And when I pictured myself going and cheering and like having fun watching all my friends doing it, I was like, oh, that sounds fun. So that was my decision. I was like, okay, if I run the race and I have a bad race, that's going to ruin my day. Should it in quotes? No. But like, I knew I'd be really upset if I just make the decision now that I'm not going to do it. And I commit to having a fun day on the sidelines. I can have a fun day. And I did. And so I was like, you know, do I really want to be miserable on what I know can be like an amazing fun day, a day that like all of New York City is just a party? Like, I'd rather enjoy that. So that was what helped me make my decision. And it still wasn't 100% happy from there. Like once it was the week of the marathon, yes, I cried. Yes, I was sad. I was like really upset that I wasn't doing it. And I still was able to have a fun day, but it it was both. It was all of it like wrapped into one. That is just, thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing that because yeah, I yeah. think, I feel like I needed to hear that. I'm sure whoever's listening needs to hear that. Like it can be a really good decision and it can feel really hard and sad. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that's just what running is. And I always remind my my athletes, like, we have lots of races in our future, you know, and we don't have to like hang up, put all our eggs in the the one basket of the one goal race or the one marathon. But even even though that's true, it doesn't make it easy to pull out mm-hmm. or stop training or you know, prioritize mental health or other areas mm-hmm. of your health over training for whatever the race is. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, happy to. And I mean, the other layer was like, I was also running for charity. And I was like, oh, no, well, they have this expectation of me. But but ironically, I was running for NAMI, which for anyone who doesn't know, is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And I was like, maybe maybe I shouldn't do it. And like I raised the money. I supported the organization. You know, like it it all worked out for the best. That's really ironic. Right. <laughs> right. You're like, I'm going to yeah. really stand up for what I'm raising money for. Yeah, by yeah. I was like, this is health. maybe meant to be in some way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like if we had to sum up this episode and like the messages that we're hearing from the media about Kipchoge's race and then our experience as runners in our community, like Michelle, like what's the take home message about the running community? If someone's like a new runner, a shy runner, not sure if she's a runner and she wants to like immerse herself more so in our community, like what would you say to her? Yeah, I love that question. I think the takeaway and this is something I'm saying to myself as I'm saying it, is that running just has to be what you want it to be. And all of the comparison, the pressure, the paces you feel like you have to hit before you can join the running club, like all of those judgments and expectations, they're coming more from yourself than from anyone else. Like if you want to just be a part of this world and a part of this community, whether you want to run races or never run races. Like I know people who I see at running clubs who literally never run races. Like you can make this whatever you want. You can race, you can run short distances, you can run long distances, you cannot. you can walk as a part of your runs. You can do literally whatever you want and still call yourself a runner and still be a part of this like greater thing. So I think the takeaway is just do what you want with it. Start where you want and then decide what you want to do along the way. I love it. The queen of running clubs has spoken. (laughs) Come join a running club. (laughs) Okay, Michelle, before you let everyone know where they can find you, how they can listen to your podcast, I have one last question for you. Um, We do not have enough women uh, proclaiming why they love their bod. So Michelle, why do you love your body? Ah, okay. I knew this was coming and I'm still like nervous. I think that, I mean, so many things. I definitely think like, I would say I love my body for what it can do. But even broader than that, I think like what it leads me to, you know, like I was saying, I feel like I have a good gut feeling. I can't, I am not always super connected to my body, but I can be. And so whether it's noticing where I'm at physically on a run and like, okay, my body is sending me the signal to walk, to stop, to do whatever, or whether it's like just sitting quietly with myself and noticing like, okay, my heart rate and the knot in my stomach are sending me a message. I think just having that guidance from my body is what I love about it most. You gave me goosebumps and I now totally want to like talk to you for another 30 minutes about like intuition 
And maybe we can like set up another episode recording or something. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, Michelle, tell all the people how they can find you, where they can learn more about you, how they can hook up with you. Yes. So I am on Instagram at Michelle Pillipitch Nutrition. So it's my full name, Michelle with two L's. Pillipitch is very hard to spell. P-I-L-L-E-P-I-C-H Nutrition. Um, and then MichellePillipitch.com is my website. I'm at Michelle Pillipitch on TikTok. And those are the main spots to find me. How about your podcast? Yeah, I have a podcast. <laughs> I have a podcast that I'm uh, hit or miss with. Sometimes consistent, sometimes not, but there are lots of episodes there. It is called Simply Intuitive. So it's linked on my website, Instagram, bio, everywhere. You can find it there. Awesome. And we'll have it in the show notes as well. Thank you so yeah. much, Michelle. I loved Thank chatting you. with you. Thank you for being a guest. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dear RunnerBot. If you enjoyed what you heard, remember to subscribe and make sure you share today's episode. Also, if you're looking to download a free three-step guide to love your runner's bod, then head to serenamarierd.com. Can't wait to chat with you next week.